Hey everyone, my name is Jason Parker, and I want to welcome you to the Coastal Church Podcast. I'm super excited for you to hear this message. We believe that God wants to speak to us, and we hope that you're open to hear what He has to say to you today. Enjoy. For those of you that uh, uh, maybe didn't join us last week for kind of as we kicked off this new sermon series, I'd encourage you to download Spotify, which is a streaming app or a podcast app, and you can re-listen to the first week if you'd like to. Um, James always puts the podcast up there, so if you're away or you miss a sermon, you can kind of follow that. But we started a new sermon series called The Way, and we're kind of mapping out the way of Jesus. And the song that James and his team just sang really maps out for us our heart and desire for you. Like, we want all of us to adopt and kind of embrace, believe in the Jesus way. Um, and so that's kind of what we're, we, we talked about a little bit last week. Last week, uh, we talked about how Frank Sinatra said it, I did it my way, and how oftentimes we as people are stuck in our ways. We get stuck in our ways, and so I talked a little bit about my golf grip, and in particular, my basketball shot, and I'm stuck in my way, and I don't really want to change. Once I learn how to do something, I get by with it. I don't really want to change, but God wants to convince us that he's not talking about a basketball shot or a golf grip. He's talking about a whole lifestyle. God wants to convince us that there indeed is a better way. And part of that process of him convincing us is to bring us to the point of repentance, which isn't such a bad word after all, is it? No, that's right. We learned last week that repentance simply means a change. It means that it's a good thing. And it's maybe more so not just merely turning from something, but turning to someone. So we talked about this idea of of repentance, and John the Baptist came in Mark chapter 1 to get people ready to, for the person of Jesus. He baptized people into a baptism of repentance so they would make the conscious decision that their current lifestyle wasn't working and that there was a better lifestyle to come that they were getting ready to adopt. And so repentance is this idea that I am turning from my current ways or way of living and I'm getting ready to adopt a brand new way. But they didn't know what that was just yet. They just knew and believed John the Baptist preaching that one was coming that would be greater than even John the Baptist. So much so, John the Baptist said, I'm unworthy to untie his sandal, to tie his shoe, so to speak. But they believed. They came out in droves to John the Baptist. They believed his message that someone was going to come and offer an alternative way. And that's exactly what happened. Jesus offered this Jesus way, this entirely new way of living. Not just Christian in the sense that I go to church on Sunday and I've accepted Jesus in my heart, but there's an entirely new way to live my lifestyle. That as a Christian, I'm not just a Christian in name, but my lifestyle is actually marked as a follower of Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said in 1937, it is becoming clearer and clearer every day that the most urgent problem besetting our church is this. How can we live the Christian life in the modern world? This is a challenge for us today, living out the way today. So 
the question we have to wrestle with as we kind of end the sermon series is, how do we actually follow the Jesus way in 2023 here in Southwest Nova with our unique challenges, with our unique blessings we have here, but also with our idols and our community and our challenges. What does it look like for us contextually here in Southwest Nova, here in the municipality of Barrington? What does it look like in our day-to-day living to live out the Jesus way? How do we actually do that? Because we tend to build our lives around what we think is most important. James William Fowler III was an American theologian who... um, was a professor of theology, and he wrote this book called The Stages of Faith. And in this book, he argues that we will build our lives, we'll order and orient everything about our lifestyle around what we believe is the core reason we exist. Let me say that one more time. James Fowler argued that you and I, whatever we come up with for our primary reason for existence We will build our entire lives. We will orient, we will direct our entire lifestyle around what we believe is the primary reason why you and I exist. So why do we believe we exist? What's what's our purpose? What is your ultimate purpose on this planet? In the words of Rick Warren, who wrote Purpose Driven Life, What on earth are you here for? So Fowler argues, and I agree, that whatever the answer to that question is, you and I will build our entire lives, our lifestyle, everything around why we believe we exist. We will build our entire lifestyle around what's the primary reason that I'm here on this planet. Some people believe it's for family. Some people believe it's for fame. Some people believe it's for funds. And at the very core of repentance is to be convinced to believe that we exist for an alternative reason to live an alternative way. At the deepest part of our being, we need to be convinced that there's a different reason why we are here than family, funds, and fame, or any other reason that we might come up with that is earthly in nature, there's a, a, bigger pur- a bigger ultimate purpose for our lives. And we need to be convinced that there's a reason bigger than that. That's why the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 12 that, that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith, what we believe. And so if we're going to experience this repentance and experience a reorientation, a a transformation in the way in which we live our lifestyle as followers of Jesus, we need to hear what Jesus has to say because he's the author. He's the one who writes it and perfects our faith. This is what the Bible says in Mark chapter 1. We read this last week and we're going to dive in here again. Mark chapter 1 verses 14 to 15 says this. Now after John was arrested... Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. 
So let's recap this gospel. This, this word gospel means what? Good news. Gospel means good news. And the gospel here that Jesus was referring to, um, Jesus was basically initiating and saying, God has come close. He's not far off and distant. God has actually come close. That God's kingdom has come to rule and reign, and that's been initiated. That's starting. Jesus came to get the kingdom of God and establish it on earth. We pray the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus invited everyone, everywheres, to turn from whatever lifestyle they were living and to follow this new kingdom way, to step into the kingdom. This is all the good news that Jesus was introducing. There's a better way. And I'm inviting you, Jesus says, into this better way. And I'm going to map it out for you. And Paul, further on, in, in, as Paul kind of steps onto the scene and Jesus suffers and dies on the cross and resurrects from the dead, G Paul kind of adds to this good news, this gospel saying this, that Christ died, that he was buried, that he was raised, and that he was seen by multiple witnesses. So not only does Jesus map out for us how to live out the Jesus way, the work of Christ through his suffering, death, and resurrection, and ascension enables us to be able to live the Jesus way. Does that make sense? Does that sound like good news? Not only are we given this incredible alternative way that leads to blessing for our own lives and blessing for the people we come in contact with, that sounds really great. But Christ has made a way for us. He has made an enabling way for us to actually live that way. So it's not just an ideal, or hopefully one day I'll get there. Christ, through his suffering, death, and resurrection, has made a way for us to live the Jesus way. And so that's the good news. And so we're called to repent the scripture says here, Jesus says here, repent and do what? And believe. Repent and believe. We turn from one way to life and we believe in a new way. In our turning, we believe in the gospel. So what did Jesus mean by believe in the gospel? What do you mean by believe? Believe. It, it's kind of simple, but it's a loaded full word. When we, you and I say believe, 99% of the time, we think acknowledge truth. And I'll explain that here in a second. Which isn't wrong, and it's part of what Jesus meant when he said acknowledging the truth. It's saying that I believe that this thing, this statement, this statistic, this idea is actually true. I believe it's true. Like, for instance... Exercise is good for everyone. Agree with that? Is that true? Yeah, okay, okay. You're there. Okay, good. Too much of even a good thing can be bad for everyone. Right? You're not all convinced of that one? <laughs> you like the good stuff a lot? What about this one? Living inside your budget is good for everyone. True? Some of you are holding back because you think I'm setting up for something. <laughs> I can tell. And I might be just doing that too. 
But there's certain things that you and I, we just acknowledge them and they're like, yeah, that's true. Like eating fast food every single day is probably not a good idea, right? Right, okay, you're with me on that one, good. I was, I was beginning to wonder. But we have these things that you and I acknowledge as true. And Jesus 100% was talking about you would acknowledge that, that this good news I'm delivering to you, what I just shared with you earlier about the good news, that you would acknowledge, yes, that's true. Yes, Jesus has come. Yes, he came to establish a kingdom. Yes, there's hope and freedom. Yes, Jesus suffered, bled, and died, resurrected from the dead. Yes, most of us in this room would acknowledge that that's true. Right? But belief in the gospel is not just acknowledging that something's true. It's applying the truth. I believe that this thing, this statement, this statistic, this idea is true for me in my life. Like, for instance, exercise is good for everyone, right? So... That's, yeah. You knew I was going to do off to something, didn't you? Exercise is good for everyone, so I should go for a walk every day. Or I should play a sport a couple times a week. Or I should fill in the blank for yourself. Excess of good things can be dangerous, so I'm careful with wine or hobbies or different things, right? You guys get really quiet. Living inside of a budget is good for everyone, right? So I live inside my means, and I'm okay to save for something if I need it bad enough, and I'm going to avoid having debt in my life, right? Do you see the contrast, the tension between acknowledging the truth, yes, Lord, <laughs> and applying the truth, living it out? So... Let's hold that intention and let's go back to the question that Jesus asked, or the question that I'm asking about what did Jesus mean by believe in the gospel? What did he mean by that word believe? Did he just mean acknowledge the truth? Or did he mean apply the truth? Acknowledge and apply the truth. Both. Jesus meant so much more than just mentally assenting. He wanted the kind of belief that both acknowledged the truth, yes, I believe it's true, and apply the truth. I believe this is true so much so, I'm going to apply it to my life. Jesus said in the end of Matthew chapter 7, everyone who hears and does, acknowledge and apply. James echoes those words in his writing literally echoes the words of Jesus. He said, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away, and once he forgets what he looks like. Don't comb your hair, don't shave, don't brush your teeth. You're a mess. <laughs> like, that's what James is talking about here, and I'm using kind of, kind of trying to be funny here, but it's not working that well, but... To like acknowledge what James is talking about here. He's saying no one goes in the mirror to try to like address what needs to change and just walks away blindly. That's deceiving yourself, saying, I'm good. No, you're not. 
James is saying you need to be a hearer and a doer. And that's exactly what Jesus was talking about, being a hearer and a doer, acknowledging and applying. And ultimately, Jesus wants us to believe in this alternative way. That's more than just accepting Jesus in your heart. That's important. Trust me. But it's so much bigger than that. It's a whole lifestyle. It's a whole value system. It's a whole way in which we see the entire world. It's a different way altogether. And Jesus is offering it to us to actually believe in. To be convinced that the Jesus way is truly the better way. That it's good news for you and for me. That it will lead to blessing in my life, in the life of other people. And that sounds like, that sounds like really out there. The Jesus way. Okay, Lord, what does that actually mean? What does it mean for me to actually live the Jesus way? To believe in this new way? To to acknowledge and apply the truth, to hear and do. What does that actually look like? And last week we talked about Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. See, Jesus introduced this new alternative way and he didn't just like leave it to us to figure out. He actually was quite explicit. He explained in detail how to live out the Jesus way when he wrote the Sermon on the Mount. He, Jesus literally came to flesh stuff out for us in a way that we could understand. And the wise, the people that thought they were wise in their own mind didn't understand, but the humble, Jesus was able to teach. And he taught them in parables and teachings and different things like that. And Jesus basically explained in the Sermon on the Mount how we ought to live the Jesus way. There's five different things from the Sermon on the Mount that I want to hit on to like talk about what does it look like for us to actually live the Jesus way? To acknowledge and say, yeah, that's true, Lord, but then applying it to our lives. Jesus talked about anxiety. He said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 27, And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So, how many of us in this room would agree with Jesus' words, acknowledge the truth, in saying that being anxious does not help you? Okay? It does not add, like Jesus said, it does not add a single hour to your span of life. How many would agree with that's true? Acknowledge it's true. All right. Okay, we acknowledge that's true, okay, but on the other side, how many of us in this room are anxious? See? We acknowledge it's true, but Jesus wants to actually apply it to our lives so we're actually non-anxious people. You know, huh, man, one of the things this world needs, I would argue maybe most of all, maybe more than so many different things, is the world needs to experience people that are not anxious. What a blessing it is to an incredibly anxious and fretful and fearful society when they run into people that are like a safe harbor for them and there's just something about, you can't even maybe put your finger on it, but you say, when I'm around this person, I feel calmer. 
When we live the Jesus way, that's literally the effect we have on other people. When we're a non-anxious presence. But there's this tension between, like, I acknowledge that anxiety doesn't help me. It doesn't add a single hour to my life, as Jesus said, but it's really hard for me to live that out. Right? What we have to do is what Jesus said is true, and I'm going to actually apply that to my life, whatever that means. Whether that means I need to pray scripture, I need to memorize Philippians 4 verses, you know, 5, and talks about being anxious about nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, to make my request known to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard my hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Or maybe it means memorizing the scripture, he will keep in perfect peace those whose mind is stayed on him. I'm not just going to acknowledge the truth about Jesus. Yes, I know that's true. Lord, would you make me become a non-anxious person that I might live the Jesus way? And see, the benefits of living the Jesus way is blessing. How much of a blessing can you be to your family and those you rub shoulders with every day if you're a non-anxious person? You see, Jesus provides a new and different way. It's good news because it leads to blessing. Jesus also talked about anger in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 to 26. He said, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny." So Jesus offers us an alternative way to deal with our emotions. How many of y'all know in the room here that whether one way or the other, we have not dealt with our negative emotions well? Is that fair to say? And there's two extremes when it comes to anger, I have discovered. Okay? So we can... There's one alternative way, which is not the good way, is when we get upset about a brother or sister or friend or whoever that person might be, and we have a few choice words for these people. We have a certain reaction that is, after we reflect on it, is not very Christ-like. That's one reaction that sometimes we can behave in when it comes to anger. Or then there's one that, that I tend to learn how to do quite well, You ever hear tell people being passive-aggressive? Oh, it's fine. Oh, it doesn't matter. I don't care. It's fine. I'm okay. And then the cold, silent treatment. I'm burning on the inside. That's not a better way either. Right? Jesus provides an alternative way to both of those things, and it's actually to deal with the anger. It's to to turn from, we all acknowledge that blowing up at someone is not a good thing. Amen? Acknowledge truth. We would all say that being passive-aggressive is not a good thing. Amen? Amen. So 
How do we apply the truth of Jesus to our lives? Well, we actually follow the Jesus way. We, we listen to the warnings of scripture and we don't follow either of those responses. We actually follow the way of Jesus. When we, are, when we miss the mark, we're quick to own it and apologize and make things right. We reject being passive aggressive, say, no, I'm not gonna be that way. I'm gonna be honest and gracious at the same time. And it's amazing to me because Jesus actually maps out how to navigate conflict. And one of the things that I've discovered is as human beings, we navigate conflict terribly. But Jesus provides an alternative, better way that leads to peace and unity. And so living in Jesus' way is acknowledging Jesus, your way is better, and I will apply it to my life. Y'all doing okay out there? Okay, half of you, all right. Forgiveness. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 to 15, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others your trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. What Jesus said is true, so I will apply it to my life. You see, again, Jesus gives these teachings to us to bless us. He knows that if we don't forgive someone, it hardens our soul. If we don't forgive someone, it damages our heart. If we don't forgive someone, it distorts our image and we interpret everything wrong. Or most that wrong at best. If we don't forgive someone, it actually leads to harming us physically, holding on to a grudge and bitterness. And so because we believe in Jesus, we will extend forgiveness and a desire to receive it. We make that conscious choice to forgive. Now, the three things I mentioned already are really, really hard. The next one's probably harder. Loving your enemies. How many of y'all want to do that? No one. <laughs> there were no hands on that one. But what did Jesus say? Luke chapter 6, verse 27 to 28. You guys having fun out there? All right. Luke chapter 6, verse 27 to 28. But I say to you here, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. We would all agree, even though we don't want to, that loving your enemies is probably the right thing to do. And that's not, like Jesus said, not even like tolerate or get along with or get by with. He actually says to love. <laughs> Man, Lord, really? Yep, really. Matter of fact, he actually turns loving into actual action and saying, love your enemies, bless them. Actively bless those who curse you. How many believe that that's what we should do? Okay, you're quiet on that one. Because <laughs> you know what's coming, right? For all of us. Yeah, I believe that's true, but like, I don't want to live that out. Here's the key, though. Living the Jesus way is the better way, is it not? Does it lead to blessing? Yes. And so we choose to love our enemies and bless them. Fasting. 
And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 17, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Jesus said, if we, not, he didn't say if we fast, he said when you fast. It is part of the Jesus way. It's a means of grace that God uses in our lives to help us to grow and get closer to him. So if Jesus said it, we don't just acknowledge that fasting is probably a good idea. We actually apply and live it, live it out. I invite the worship team to come at this time. Here's the challenge for us in our discipleship journey. And I think many of us have seen and witnessed this either in our own lives or maybe those of us in this room that have been hurt by the church were hurt because someone said that they were a Christian, but they didn't leave, live the Jesus way, right? There was this disconnect between someone professing they were a Christian, but not living the Jesus lifestyle. Let me just be really clear, though, here. We are all on a journey. We're all growing together. We all will miss the mark from time to time, but we are all called to live the Jesus way. That's a really tall order. In Matthew's gospel, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus actually said, you must be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. Whew, man, that's a, that's a tall order. That's a really challenging thing to do. But we don't want to be Christians, not just in our profession of faith, but how we live our lives, right? We want people to see that this Jesus way truly is the better way. And if you've been kind of tracking with us over the last month or so, we've really been talking about what does it look like for us to embrace life with Jesus? Not just merely have him in our heart, that's important, we need to do that, but that starts the journey with Jesus where you embrace a lifestyle as a follower of Christ. Jesus isn't looking for us just to tip our cap and acknowledge the truth. He wants us to actually believe in such a way we actually apply the Jesus way to our lives. Does that make sense? So the sermon series in James talked about being hearers and doers, and Jesus talked about hearing and doing. This is true belief. That's what truly believing really means. And so maybe you hear this about the Jesus way, and it's so much of it seems like an impossibility. What? Not be angry? Not lust, as Jesus said? Be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect, loving my enemies, forgiving, doing all that stuff, fasting. Like, like, and Jesus took it a step further all the time. He said, you've heard it said not to murder. Well, I say, even if you don't like your brother. Jesus took it a step further, and it's like, man, Lord, that's such a tall order. Like, I know and acknowledge that I should live a different way. And I believe it's going to be good for me. It's good news. But how on earth, Lord, can I live this way? And here's the good news for us. Here's the way in which we apply the Jesus way to our lives. You see, when you turn to him, when you turn to the Jesus way, you're not merely turning to a better way of life or to a morally acceptable way to be a better person in society. When you turn to Jesus from your old lifestyle, you are turning to a person, not merely a way. And that person is alive forevermore. 
He is resurrected from the dead and he wants to enable you with power to live the Jesus way. Corey Tinboom was in a concentration camp. She suffered desperately under the hands of Nazi, Germany, Nazi Germans. She was preaching at a service after the war and this concentration soldier came up to Corey Tinboom, someone that had kind of done crimes right before her very eyes to her own family. And she felt like she couldn't forgive this man who has done this terrible, atrocious things to him and his, her and his family. And the Lord said to her when this man was walking up, you need to forgive her. And this man asked for forgiveness. And Corey Timboon whispered to the Lord and saying, Lord, I can't forgive. And then she felt God's love being poured into her heart by the Holy Spirit, giving her the desire and ability and enablement to forgive those who had even done destructive things to her and her family. The truth is, you and I can't live the Jesus way by striving or by working harder or trying to be a good person. We live the Jesus way by trusting in Jesus. Galatians 2.20 says, it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. In this life that I now live, I live by faith, by belief, by believing in Jesus who loved me and gave himself for me. We do it by believing in Jesus. Believing what he's done for us. Trusting in his power and presence to enable us to live this new way, this new lifestyle. And Jesus said, if you do that by trusting in me, you'll build your house on a firm foundation. And then when the storms come and the winds blow, like Hurricane Lee, your house will be on the rock and you won't be shaken because you're building your life on Christ. And I'm just wondering here tonight if there's people in this room that need to walk in the Jesus way. You maybe wanna, you're convinced that I've believed that my primary reason for existence is something other than for him. You see, your primary reason for existence isn't your family. Your family's good and a blessing from God. That's not the primary purpose while you're here. It's not for your fame. It's not for your funds. It's not for any other reason. The primary reason, your purpose, the reason you're on this planet is for him. And when you come to believe that the reason you're here is for Christ, Christ starts the process of reordering, ordering, reorienting, and transforming your life. That's what God wants to do in your life. And it starts with you putting your genuine faith in him. So if you're here tonight and you've never accepted Jesus in your life and you want to come forward for prayer, invite the prayer team to come. Come forward for prayer. Maybe you're here tonight and you, and you have things out of order in your life. The priorities are messed up and you want Christ to be number one. Why don't you come forward for prayer tonight? Or maybe you just need to declare out this song that Christ is my firm foundation. And I declare in this room tonight that I'm going to build my life on him. Would you stand to your feet? We really hope that this message has motivated you to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus and has inspired you to join us in our mission to take Jesus into every community of Southwest Nova. If you have any questions about the sermon, if you want to know how you can get involved, 
send us an email at office at coastalchurchns.com. We'd love to get connected with you. Have a great day.